Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. Hey, y'all. Looking for a unique gift idea? Check out my book, The Humor and Birth, Stories and Insights from a Doula, for any mom in your life. She's going to receive great tips, great wisdom, tons of positive birth stories, and I promise you she'll be glad you got it for her. You can check it out on Amazon or any of my social media links. Hey y'all, this is an exciting episode. You guys, it is my hundredth episode. That's kind of crazy to me. I mean, when I first got started, wow, a hundred episodes seemed so far out and now here I am. And so what I want to do today is kind of celebrate, right? I'm celebrating hundred episodes. I have a lot to celebrate right now um, in my life, mostly my career and the things that I'm going to be doing. And I'm really excited to share that with you guys. Um, so I, what I, here's where I want to start. Um, when I first started this podcast, epi- this podcast show, it was really highlighting um, an aspect of childbirth. It was really primarily focused on childbirth for sure. I know I've evolved since then, but really focused on childbirth in particular, an aspect of childbirth that's rarely talked about that inspired me to write my book, The Humor in Birth, Stories and Insights from a Doula. And what I have found in my over 20 year career is that, you know, birth is just a normal part of life. It is extremely monumental. It is like nothing you're ever going to experience. And so it's unique in that way, but it is a normal part of everyday life. Now, of course, there are uh, some scenarios, medical scenarios that can be traumatic that really alter and change what I just said, that it, it's just not as normal. It, it's more daunting. So I'm not really speaking to that. I'm more speaking to uh, the typical, right? And even though birth is unique in its own way, every birth is different. The truth is, is that you're just having a baby, y'all. That I mean, it, it's normal. So what I have found in my career is that one really important aspect that helps to make childbirth more normal is when we, as the laboring mama, feel normal. And the lighthearted moments, the enjoyable aspects, the even humorous things that happen throughout childbirth, and y'all, there are things, um, it really uh, takes the lid off the pressure cooker, so to speak. It enables this laboring mom to like, uh, let her guard down, maybe smile or laugh for a second. Remember that she is, you know, sharing this moment, you know, with her uh, significant other and that it is. And that it's a wonderful experience, hard as hell. Okay, nothing's going to take away from that, hard. And like I said, extremely significant monumental moment of your life. But 
normal. And so that inspired me. Okay. Cause I just kept seeing it over and over and over again with my different clients, even the ones that ended in a C-section, like it didn't go exactly the way they thought it was still a positive experience. It was still, um, something they looked back on and were like, Oh wow. And, and you know what, when you've had a birth, Women like to talk about their birds. They like to talk about the good and the bad. And have you noticed that even when they talk about the things that went awry, like they are not normal, they're not a part of the birth plan, they're talking about them with this joy still. They they might even be laughing or giggling or whatever because it's, it's something that they remembered. It was a highlight within their birth. And so that's the focus of the book. That's why I started the podcast. And so I'm bringing all that up because y'all have all heard me. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you've heard me say this many, many times, everything. I just said, I, I talk about it a lot. Um, the reason I bring it up for the hundredth episode is because it just got me thinking about what am I passionate about in my life? And here's why I think that's important. Um, not because I think it's important for you guys to have the same passions that I have, but I want to use it as an example, because what I've found is I can really only handle and juggle a few big things that I'm super passionate about. When I get 10 things that I'm passionate about, guess what happens? Things start falling through the cracks. And then I don't feel like I'm doing anything well. I feel like I'm shortchanging myself. I feel like I'm shortchanging others. And so I want to really highlight the things in my life that I have found that I really am passionate about because I want to encourage you to look at your lives and really think about okay, what are you passionate about? And it can be career oriented. It can be goal driven. Um, of course our families, but what aspect of our families and your life are you passionate about? It can be a hobby. Y'all sometimes a hobby can turn into this, you know, amazing outlet in your life. And then somewhere down the road, somebody gets their, their hands on their eyes on something you've done or created. That's, that's just a hobby. And now it becomes this huge thing in your life that is very life-giving that I don't know, makes you famous one day, who knows? And so that's what I'm going to talk about on this episode. So I'm going to jump right in. And because I started this podcast with childbirth in mind, I'm going to start with an Again, if you've been listening for a while, you already know what I'm about to say in terms of doula work, my career, and really supporting families within childbirth, what I'm passionate about concerning that. Yes, I'm, I've been passionate about that. Wow. For a long time. Uh, my oldest child is uh, about to be 30 and I was attending births even before that. So we're talking about 30 years of this being significant in my life, childbirth. And, and, and it started with, um, attending my sister's birth, the birth of my nephew. He's now, he's 33, maybe something like that. I'm sorry, Benjamin. I can't remember. He's about to turn, I have another birthday. Maybe he's going to be 34. Okay. Um, that experience was very significant in my life for more than one reason. My sister had a home birth, um, this is the very first thing I talk about in my book. It's actually the introduction. And so I'm not going to go as detailed as I do in the book, grab the book, you guys. Um, but it is, wow, this experience of birth really being not what I thought it was going to be, not what I saw in the movies, not what I read about. Um, she's giving birth at home. It's not in a hospital setting. There's plenty of other women around. Um, there's a midwife and her assistants. I was there. My other sister was there. And there were, there were these, uh, moments of 
joy and actual laughter. Okay. There was a fire. Okay. Like I said, get the book, find out about the fire that happened in the middle of my sister's labor. Um, there was tears, uh, there was difficult things. There was lots of food. There was lots of leisure and lounging and talking. And so it was just a great experience. So what I realized is later down the road is that that experience catapulted how I wanted to have babies, my idea of childbirth. And I had five home births. Baby number six was a C-section. That's on a podcast. You can go listen to that. Not going to talk about that one here. Um, but five were home births. And then I became a midwife assistant and all of my training as a doula was home births. Okay. So definitely emerged in it. It catapulted my career as a doula. Um, that experience did. Oh, wow. The support that a woman needs in this ooh, really difficult, difficult but amazing experience. I want to be a part of that. And I'm actually really good at this. I figured that out really early on uh, that I was good at it. And I, and I love it. Okay. So both of those things happened. How I want to have my own babies, doula career. And then also spiritually, I had um, really gotten off the beaten path. I was not connected to my family anymore. I'd kind of turned away from God. And when I came back home and I attended my sister's birth, um, it changed me spiritually. Like my nephew's birth was my rebirth in God. And that, um, really set me up <laughs> really well. Like I haven't looked back in terms of my life in God since that moment. Um, and in fact, Benjamin and I on his birthday, sometimes he'll call me first and tell me happy birthday. And so it's a very special time for me. So obviously I'm passionate about childbirth guys. Obviously it has been a huge part of my life in many different ways and many different capacities. And I would say, at this point in my life, what I'm the most passionate about when it comes to childbirth is that there is no right way to give birth. And I think many listeners out there, whether you're an expecting parent, whether you are a doula, whether you've already had babies, whether you're an OB or a midwife, whether I don't know who was listening out there, but some of you may hear me say that and go, what? No, 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 no there's the right way to have a baby, you know, and if you don't have your baby that way, that means something went wrong. And I'm going to challenge you on that. It doesn't mean something went wrong. It, it just didn't go the way we thought it was going to go. Maybe there was an intervention. Um, no, it, it, maybe it didn't follow the birth plan to the letter of the law. And y'all, I had really great births, five really great births. Okay. But that sixth one as an emergency C-section at 27 weeks really taught me a lot. It really did. Is that what I would have wanted for me or my baby? No. Do I wish it had gone different? Yeah. But it is a huge, significant part of who I am today. Um, how, what makes me tick? Why the things that are important to me are important to me. How to get through something that is very trying and painful. And I struggled I really struggled, but then I found hope and I found faith and I found so many great things, positive things that transpired during that experience that I would not have known about if I had not gone through that experience. Okay. So I'm not just somebody talking, saying, oh, all birth is positive, right? And, and it's okay. It doesn't matter how it goes. Cause uh, you can say that. And, and if you didn't have an experience that was challenging, well, it doesn't really matter that you say that it can, you can give birth anyway. Right. Or if you only had perfect births where everything went exactly the way that you went, 
yeah, I don't know that I want to really want to hear from you either. If, if you're going to say, it doesn't really matter how you get birth, right? Okay, so I, I'm someone that is speaking to this from both sides, from both angles, both sides of the coin, that you can have a positive birth experience no matter how you give birth, no matter what shifted or changed. It's all about our mental and emotional perspective and how we need to shift in the moment. And there are so many episodes where I go into great detail about what I'm talking about. Many, many episodes I cover this topic um, because it's what I'm passionate about. I tend to land my plane (laughs) if I'm talking about childbirth on this point right here. And in my book, I mean, all of the stories I'm talking about, all of the scenarios, all of the things that my clients have said, and by the way, all of their identities are protected. Um, you'll hear it. You'll see it. You're going to read about it. Um, that I, I've supported women in all kinds of births. I've supported families no matter what the situation, and it can be positive, okay? It can be good. In fact, I think the last couple of episodes that I just released, um, some birth stories, and one in particular, my great friend Genesis, I was at all four of her births. She is an absolute rock star, but she is very vulnerable and very candid at how hard it was, but it was still good, Okay. And she's not lying. It was hard. It was the hardest thing she's ever done. She didn't necessarily enjoy it, but it was good. Okay. So that is what I am really passionate about when it comes to giving birth and when it comes to supporting people. And, um, in the coming episodes, I'm, I'm actually going to dive a little bit deeper into the different, uh, topics that I'm covering today. And I'm just kind of giving you guys a little snippet little overview of the things I'm passionate about. Um, I'll talk a little bit in depth about each one, but I'm going to take a deep dive into each one of them in the coming weeks so that you guys really get the full scope of why I'm passionate about what I'm passionate about and why I'm going to spend time there and why do I keep bringing this topic up. And these are things that, you know, you know I, what's the phrase? Like, I'm going to Uh, I'm going to die on the hill. Is that how they say it? Like this, when I think about this and how I feel about this, I'm willing to die on this hill. I don't know if that's the right phrase or not, but that's what's ringing through my head. It's like, I'm okay that you don't agree with what I'm saying. I'm okay that if you think that I'm passionate about this and it's way too polarizing for you and you don't appreciate it, it's okay. I'm okay with that because I know that it is kind of polarizing. Listen, if you're going to be passionate about something, can I just say it needs to be worth being passionate about? Don't be, I don't know, don't be generic about the things you're passionate about. I mean, like I said a minute ago, and I'll just go ahead and talk about it. My family, obviously very, very passionate about my family. And But what specifically am I passionate about concerning my family? And here's what I'll say. There is, again, it's kind of similar to the one I said at childbirth. There's no right way to parent, guys. There's no right way. There there are so many different parenting styles. There are so many, because of the combinations, think about it, two individual people coming together with their love and creating a whole nother human being and now bringing that human being up in this world. Okay. Yeah. It's all going to look different guys because you got two different individuals creating a whole new individual. And now you got your own family unit with its own flavor, the things that are important to you, the 
things that are not important to you, the things that you find funny, the things that are, uh, that make you, you, that of course is going to look different. Can we please let each other off the hook on the whole parenting scale? Can, can everybody just come down about 10 notches on the whole parenting thing? It's, we each have to decide. We each have to, we can only parent the way we feel like we're supposed to be parenting, right? And I'm not saying just do whatever you want to do. It doesn't really matter. I was definitely not saying that. It does matter. Um, the choices that you make for your children. But the choices you make for your children, can, can you make them with some earnest? Can you make those choices not as a, hmm, I don't know, hmm, hmm, whatever. That's not good parenting. Make your choices because you feel good about those choices. You feel strongly about those choices. You have consulted maybe with a couple of people, not 50, not the internet, not Facebook, people that are in your life that you're close to. You've consulted with them because you like what they're doing. You like what they see. And maybe you're gleaning from them some advice that they have. Okay. That is healthy. That is good. But just, oh my gosh, doing nothing out of... I keep using the word passion and I'm trying to find another word. Um, conviction. How about that? <laughs> Not making any choice because you don't feel convicted about anything is just letting life happen to you rather than putting your hands on the reins of your life and your children's lives and for your family. Go ahead and do that. But y'all, that's going to look different for so many of us. For all of us, it's going to look different. Okay. So I'm passionate about that for sure. And I'm going to, I talk a lot about that in the postpartum, um, processing sessions that I do with my clients, um, or with even people that are not my clients that need more processing. That's one of the first things I say, listen, there's a lot of unsolicited advice out there. You get to parent how you feel you're supposed to parent. You don't have to feel strongly about something just because somebody else does. I feel like a broken record. I don't know how many times I've said these things. I hope that I have some listeners today that are like, oh, wow, that's a gold nugget. I love that. I'm going to I'm gonna remember that. I'm so glad she said that. I hope I got some listeners today. And maybe if I keep repeating these things over and over and over again, they'll start to sink in. They'll start to um, have a difference, make a difference in your life, in what you're choosing and how you move forward in your life. Another thing really about, um, my family is my husband and I decided a long time ago, we didn't want to raise clones. We don't need little Micahs and Michaels running around. They're going to be their own people. And we, the people that were in our lives when our kids were young, I don't think they really appreciated that about us. <laughs> um, that's okay. But I want my children to be individuals and I don't think it's a blessing for them. I don't think it's a blessing for the world for my kids to think exactly like we do, to choose exactly like we do, to enjoy all the things that we enjoy, to hate all the things that we hate. I, I don't think that's healthy. I don't think that's good. And I want to foster people, not clones. And so I would challenge anybody out there, especially if your kiddos are young and you're feeling, uh, maybe the rub a little bit, maybe you got three youngins and you're can't figure out why this third one just won't get in line. Like, oh my gosh, I didn't experience this with the other two. Yeah, it's cause they're different. It's just a different person and that's okay. Embrace it. Pray about it. Talk about it. Maybe get counsel, but let them be the person that they are and find out how do they fit in this family? What, what? 
man, they're unique. They're making our family even more colorful and um, enjoyable. And I want them to be the person that they are. And we really tried to do that with our kids. One of our kids, um, one of our middle kiddos was very, very, very emotional. And it would have been very tempting to really squash that. But we felt strongly that there's something about this child that their emotions really is a reflection of who they are as a person. It's not just, I don't know, tantrums. It's not just being out of control. It's there. They have that very feeling part of their life. And I'm telling you what, this child has made an impact in their world and the people around them are blessed by the emotions, by them uh, making choices, uh, not just logically, there is logic involved when we make choices, but also based on how they feel about something and the emotion behind it. And it, and it's a huge part of who they are. And I, and I love this part and squashing this child would have been a mistake. Trying to get this child in line, looking exactly like my other kids would have been a mistake. Um, I, and I have many examples of that with all of my kids and I'm not going to bore you with that, but that's just one, that's just one example. And then I think the other thing in terms of family, and then I'll move on to the next one. Um, you know, <laughs> y'all aren't going to like this one, but it's okay. Can y'all stop trying to raise perfect children? It's a real mistake. I want you to think about it. Um, as an adult, many of the things that you've had to undo in your life, things that are not good, you've had to undo them is because you were being raised to be perfect. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And when the goal is perfection, no problems, no issues, um, no struggles, completely compliant and obedient, when that's the goal, then there's no room for this child and this person to um, voice, reflect, enjoy who they are if, if the constant thing is this perfection. And when you grow up and you become an adult and you're still operating in that way, perfection and performing and trying to do it all right and never getting it wrong, you are high strung and very stressed, constantly judging yourself and more than likely, rarely being your authentic self because you always have to put your best foot forward. You always have to think and overthink and rethink and make sure and don't and on and on and on and on and on, right? And so <clears throat> parents, I'm going to encourage you to stop. The goal should not be to raise a perfect child. That shouldn't be the goal. Now, I'm not going to tell you what I think the goal should be. <laughs> Maybe that's unfair. Maybe that's not right. But I don't want you to parent like me. What I want you to stop doing, what I'm encouraging you to stop doing that I feel really passionate about is stop requiring these children to be perfect. Mistakes, weaknesses, they're not only just okay and to be tolerated, they're good. They're good. And that brings me to my next 
thing that I'm really, really passionate about. And I'm going to tap in a little bit here to my faith and my spiritual journey with the Lord. And that is a scripture that is, he says, to boast in your weakness. And for the longest time, this scripture had me puzzled. I was like, I don't understand this. What? is he talking about? How can I boast in my weakness? Oh my gosh, y'all, we're trying to overcome our weakness. I mean, I overcome, that's all through scripture, right? Um, surely he's not saying to boast in my weakness. And I'm just going to tell you, and I'm going to go in a lot more detail in a different episode about this. I'm just going to tell you that boasting in my weakness, me really um, deciding that I was going to understand and learn this because I judged my weaknesses and probably coincidentally judged other people's weaknesses. Sorry, all you people that have been in my life in the past. Um, and it is so unhealthy to not let yourself and others be flawed. We are flawed guys. We're always going to be flawed and it's more than okay. It's actually good. Because if we're perfect, if there are no weaknesses, there are no struggles, there is no pain. And there is in this life, there is on this earth. Stop lying to yourself. It is hard. Okay. But if you're pretending that, no, you got it all together and that it's all good. Or if something is not good and there is a struggle or you do see weakness. And now all of a sudden your attention and focus is on making that thing right, making that thing better, making that thing perfect. You're going to miss everything else around you. You're going to be working so hard on that flaw, that mistake, that weakness. You're going to be so consumed by it that you're going to miss everything else in your life. You know, some of the things we focus on that are weaknesses. Really, guys, I mean, I don't even know that we have to change them. It, it, it's, it's a part of who, what makes us us. It's a part of our character. You know, I'm not talking about deep, dark sin that hurts and wounds other people. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. Those are the things in my life that I do want to grow in. The, the issues that I feel actually hinder others, hurt others, and maybe even hurt myself, right? Those are the things I want to grow in. But again, I still don't think that my focus should be, I need to change. I need to change. This has to be perfect. This can't be, oh, this isn't okay. I've got to make sure and da, 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 da. No. Okay. So if I boast in my weakness, I'm going to be like, you know what? I homeschooled for a while, guys, which for many of you might be shocking. I, I'm not a great teacher, in my opinion, and patient in that way. Um, I do enjoy coaching. I enjoy mentoring. Teaching is a whole different thing. I, I, it's just different. I don't think I'm great at that. And so I'm teaching my children. And it got to the point to where, wow, it was so bad. It was so ugly. And I was not a good role model. I was always irritated. Uh, the kids could do nothing right. I'm constantly on them about all this stuff and I didn't enjoy it. And now I don't enjoy anything in my life because my poor kids have to answer to me about everything, right? Oh, go make your bed, go do your spelling, go clean your room, go help your sister. I mean, it's ugh, just constant. All right. So I don't want to go back too far because I don't like those <laughs> memories. So boasting in my weakness at the time was, you know what? I don't really like teaching and you know what? I'm actually not really good at it. I think I'm going to let somebody who's good at it and gets paid to do it, do it. I think I can let myself off the hook and stop feeling like I have to 
cover and check every single box under that mom hat, that I should be good at every single thing that we define as mom. I don't have to check all those boxes. This is one of the boxes that I gladly go, yeah, no, teaching, let's take that one off. There are plenty of other things on this list that I enjoy, that I'm good at, that I want to do, and that I do want to pass on to my kids, that I do want to give to my kids. So you know what? I suck at homeschooling. Yes, love it. You know why the boasting helped? Is it gave me permission. It gave me the freedom to go, I don't have to be good at this. It's okay that I'm not good at this. And I'm willing to bet that most of you listening, there's something in your life that you think you're supposed to be really good at it. And it's just not part of your makeup. It's just not part of who God made you. It is just not in your DNA. That's okay, y'all. It really is. You don't have to be good and great and love everything. Okay. So boast in your weakness and, and experience the freedom in this this letting down that, yay. Oh, it's so refreshing to know I don't have to be good and great at everything. Uh, any of my family members that are listening to this, they're getting a big kick out of it because this is my song and dance <laughs> in life for sure. So they're getting a big kick out of this. Okay. Um, I think, you know, another big point, you know, now that we're talking about boasting in your weakness and, and the whole spiritual journey and in and, and my life with God, I would also call myself a no religion Christian. Um, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Um, I do call myself a Christian, um, but I do not like religion. I, like I'm borderline could probably say I hate religion. Religion is, wow, it is so it just binds us up. It is about performance. It is about perfection. It is about uh, doing everything right. It's about making sure, you making sure, not allowing God to be big enough in your life. It's about you making sure that you're good enough and you're doing it well and right in order to be pleasing to God. And again, I am happy about that episode and to go into a lot of detail on that one um, because I probably offended many people in what I just said. Non-believers, they don't want to know that I'm a Christian or believers who are like, wait, no religion. What does that even mean? Like, are you a Christian? And I'm excited about sharing my journey with you guys because man, you can love God. You can really know that Jesus is the savior, the son of God and not live under all of the constraints, rules, legalism, expectations, and really just this false concept of God. I mean, y'all, he's good. And if you don't experience that he is good and that he loves you no matter what, you're probably caught up in religion. So I'm excited about that episode that's coming up, but that's something I'm uber, 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 uber passionate about. If you um, know me at all, have had any kind of conversation with me at all, and it is about God or spiritual things, this has probably come up because I'm very passionate about it. Um, I did skip this one. I didn't mean to skip it, uh, about family and it, um, beyond just our kids. And it is about marriage. It is about my husband and I, and we've been married for 30 years. And I can tell you right now, it is not because we are perfect. It is not because we did everything right. There were years in our marriage where I was concerned, whoa, are we going to make it? Uh, there were some times in our marriage where I was like, Ooh, I don't want to make it. I think I want to be done. This is harder than what I thought. I'm not happy. 
Um, this, uh, yeah, there were definitely times in our marriage and we had to work hard. There were times where we were extremely distant, like we were just roommates. And that's what I'm going to tell you right now. That is what I'm passionate about when it comes to marriage is that the roommate situation where you're distant and you're just avoiding and maybe even calling it peace, but you're not engaged with each other anymore. There is no relating anymore. You're just checking boxes, divide and conquer roommates and trying to be pleasant and keep the peace. In my opinion, humble opinion, that is the marriage killer right there. That state of mind. And again, I have done an episode. Um, my husband and I've done a couple together, which has been fun, but we're really talking about, you know, our family. We're talking about our childbirth experiences. I think we talked about love languages one time. Um, and then I have done an episode on your sex life after marriage. Um, and I'm just going to tell you that, like I said, the not being connected, um, the not really doing life together and really living separate lives is, I believe what causes the most damage in marriage. And, you know, I I will say that there were times in our marriage where it was heated. Oh my gosh, fireworks. And we've also had fireworks in a good way. We're like, we were on cloud nine and couldn't get enough of each other. Right. Just different kind of fireworks, but still fireworks. Right. And so you want a marriage that is alive. You want a marriage that is moving. You want a marriage that is healthy. And sometimes the fighting, uh, y'all are going to, y'all are going to die when I say this. Sometimes the fighting can be healthy because I think we're, we're, we so want peace that we hide and that we stuff things down and that we're trying to protect the other person. And sometimes that, that can be good, but when it's ongoing, especially about a particular issue and there's never any resolve and one or both of you always just kind of punts the conversation because no, I don't want to go down this road again. And trust me, we did that many times and it just doesn't work y'all. It, it just doesn't work. That issue is going to keep coming up and keep coming up. So sometimes the hashing it out, sometimes the being brutally honest is what will save your marriage. Okay. I'm not a counselor. FYI. I am not a counselor. I repeat, I am not a counselor. I'm not a psychiatrist. I don't know your personal individual situation as a marriage. I'm talking about, but I am talking about normal marriage struggles. I'm not talking about deep, dark wounds and secrets that need to be dealt with by a professional, right? I'm talking about the normal everyday marriage stuff that we've all encountered. And and these are the things that make us stronger when we decide we're going to push through, right? They, they don't have to break us, the normal struggles of marriage, okay? Um, and so again, I will go into more detail about that one. I think I will kind of finish up this conversation, uh, what I am passionate about, the celebration of my 100th episode, celebration of my life and, and what I deem to be important enough for me to think about, important enough for me to spend time on, important enough for me to talk about, important enough for me to give it my heart and my all and my mind. And, and again, that's why I'm bringing it up. I want you guys to do the same. I think that it's important. I think it's good because you can't have 20 of them. I promise you can't have 20 of them. Um, I think the last one I'll say is, and it it is an overall theme in my life. It probably touches all of these things. And what I wrote down here (laughs) on my notes is, damn it, just be honest. 
Like, I think that's going to be my new motto. It's always been my motto, but I think I'm going to verbalize it a lot more. Um, my kids can tell you I hate lies. Oh my gosh. You want to piss me off? Lie to me. <laughs> you want to ruin a relationship? Lie to me. Can't stand it. Can't stand lies. In fact, you know, we would have rules in the house. If they did X, Y, Z, they knew there was a consequence coming, but they also knew that if they tried to cover it up and lie about it, oh, double trouble. Or if they came to me and told me that they did it, no consequence because I so honored and rewarded the honesty. Y'all, I just don't know if we're honest enough. And I'm going to pick on right now, I'm going to pick on Christians for a second because I know that sounds crazy, but I, I think we're tempted to not be honest about what's really going on and honest with ourselves even honest with God, because we think there's something wrong with how we think or how we feel or how we're acting. And so we don't want to look at it. And when you don't want to look at something, it means you are not prepared to deal with it. Um, and so what we do is we hide, um, we lie to ourselves. Of course we lie to others and we're just not being honest. And I'm just telling you living a life that is honest, genuine, real, it is a much less stressful life. I have so much more peace. I am way happier. And I don't need to hit people over the head with my honest opinion about how they look. Yeah, that's not what I'm talking about. Um, that's just being rude. I'm not talking about being rude, y'all. I'm talking about being honest and authentic in your life um, for sure before the Lord, for sure with the people that you're close to. And being honest with yourself, you're going to be kind of amazed that when you're actually uh, honest about what you really think about things, and maybe you need to say it out loud to yourself so you can actually hear it because we can hide. Oh, I just hit the microphone. Sorry if that was really loud, y'all. Um, I think sometimes um, if we don't look at it, if we're not honest with ourselves, we kind of think it doesn't exist. No, you just made it worse. You just made it bigger. It's going to get louder. It's going to be more stressful. And you just made your life a lot more miserable. Um, being authentic and honest, even about something that you go, oh, golly, that is not okay. That is ugly. I can remember my husband and I were in a really trying time in our lives. I think I was pregnant even with baby number five. So I was ugh, not happy as it was. I'm a terrible pregnant person. I hate being pregnant. <laughs> Sorry, I just do. I'm not a good pregnant person. Anyway, we're also struggling in our marriage and we were talking to a counselor and I don't know what it, y'all are seriously don't remember what it was about, but we're talking in this person is like, Hey, you know, Micah, I think it's time. I think you're really going to need to forgive him. And I was like, Nope, I'm not ready. I know that's what I need to do, but there's nothing in me right now that wants to forgive. And I know that's a big no, no, especially, especially in the Christian world. But it was really, honestly, guys, it was so significant for me to just be honest and say, I'm not ready. I don't want to forgive him right now. I'm not ready to forgive him right now. You know what it did? It, me being honest allowed me to really see where I was at and recognize, oh yeah, that's kind of ugly. Why don't I want to forgive him? Wait a second. He's forgiven me about this over here. And, and God has forgiven me for so many things. It really opened up the conversation that I needed to have. It really enabled me to go where I needed to go. If I had pretended and go, okay, fine, yes, I forgive you. And I didn't. Well, what good does that do me? 
None. What good does that do my husband and my marriage? Zero. Right. So me being honest, painfully honest, ugly honest, really is what helped me get to freedom, really is what helped me get to the next place that I knew that I wanted to be. I knew that's where I wanted to be. I just wasn't there yet. I couldn't get there yet. You know, I I told a friend one time, look, I know I need to forgive you. I will. I'm struggling. I know where I want to be. I'm just not there yet. I'm still processing, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with processing. It's healthy, guys. It's good. It's real. It's authentic. It's genuine. It's honest. And it's a much better way to live. Um, I think, you know, on my podcast, I really do endeavor to be very honest, authentic and real with you guys. And I've said it before. I'm not ever going to talk about anything on this show that. I have not experienced or have some deep understanding or knowledge about uh, something I've walked through, uh, something that is close to me so that I can really speak on it. I I, I don't want to talk about anything that I am not um, passionate about or talk about anything that I don't know anything about. You know, when I have guests on my show and I'm interviewing them and I'm interviewing them about things that I don't know about, or I'm not as passionate about, or that it it's not close to me. I let them do all the talking. I might ask some questions or bring up a good point, an overall point, but I want them to carry the ball on that. So you can always know on this show that I'm only going to be talking about things that I feel like I actually have something to give away and something to bring. So if you're kind of scratching your head and questioning, why doesn't she ever talk about this? Why didn't she ever talk about that? It's because I don't really feel like that's what I'm supposed to be talking about. I don't feel called to talk about things that I am not equipped to talk about, if that makes sense. And so happy hundredth episode, everybody. Thank you to all of my listeners for being here and that, um, I want to go ahead and tell you guys, I'm really, really excited. Um, we are going to be starting like this membership thing, this Patreon, go to patreon.com slash my doula Micah. And you're going to get to see a couple different tiers of how you can be a supporter, how you can be a member, how you can get, uh, insider content, additional content, video content. Um, you can listen to the podcast ad free. And so I'm really, really excited. Occasionally there'll be some merchandise on there. So go check that out in celebration of the hundredth episode. And I'm looking forward to talking to you guys next week. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to My Doula Micah. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube at My Doula Micah. We can also get connected at MyDoulaMicah.com. If you're interested in checking out my book, the link to the humor and birth stories and insights from a doula can be found on all of these social platforms. Be sure to share and subscribe. I'll be here next week. So please be sure to join me again. And this podcast was produced by Rogue Media Network. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.